Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. We are your hosts, Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Tamarindo Podcast is the Latinx show where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Tamarindo is part of Loose Collective, a digital home for Latinas. You can catch all of our new episodes at loosecollective.com. Welcome to the show. On this episode of Tamarindo, we talked to Stacy de Armas, Vice President at Nielsen, a global measurement and data analytics company that provides the most complete and trusted view available of consumers and markets worldwide. We are going to discuss their 2020 election hub. But before we do all that, we're going to talk about how we are keeping our calma. Hi, Tamarindo Amigi. So we're a couple weeks from the election and the news has not been getting better. So we're going to start off today by sharing what is keeping us balanced. And what we like to call at Tamarindo is keeping our calma. So Brenda, let's get started with you. How are you getting your calma right now? Well... The way that I like to get my calma right now is um, returning to a hobby that I really enjoy, which is putting on some headphones and going on a long walk and listening to, usually it's podcasts, but right now I've been listening to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last couple books that I read on my headphones were uh, Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. I'm sure you all have seen this. The uh, cover is very iconic. It's like this this beautiful morenita woman with this like scooped little yummy dress. And it's like in the 50s. It's creepy as hell. And I'm excited because I think they're going to make a series of it. And I can totally imagine how it could be a long episode series. It gives me sort of like the vibes of, um, como se llama that vampire shit that everybody was watching a while ago? Uh, mm, Twilight. Twilight. Yes. yes. <laughs> Never watched Twilight. it. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, it's like, it kind of gives me Twilight vibes. It kind of okay. gives me... Like like Mexican or what? I mean, so what's it about? It, you know, barely has to do with Mexico, but it takes place in Mexico. But okay. the premise is this. It's in the 50s and this woman who's spunky, has got a lot of energy. Her cousin that she was close to got married to some random English dude and like is living in some scary house on a hill and they haven't heard from her for a while and it just, people are worried. So she is sent on a mission to go check on her cousin. That's sort of the premise. And the family that this cousin married into is this English family that has been in Mexico for generations, but they own this like property and everybody there is English. And so it's like, that's where it kind of takes you out of Mexico, but it's creepy as hell. It's freaking good. It takes a turn where you're kind of like, ah, which is that Mexican sound that people make. Yes. <laughs> I need to work on that. I can't do it. Can I try? <laughs> a ver, a ver, a ver. Psst. Ah. It, kinda, okay. uh. it gives you one of those. Like okay, there's right, a right. moment where it does okay. that. But if you stick through it, you're like, oh, and at the end you're like, yay. Okay. okay so anybody so yeah, read, read that one. Okay. And then um, now the second book that I read recently, read haha, on, in my headphones is Luster by Raven Lee. Liliani. This is a creepy ass, weird ass book. I mean, is it creepy? I don't, maybe not, maybe not creepy. I mean, it's very interesting. It's, it reads like a diary. It reads like a diary, but the main character is this young black woman. I think she's 23 and she gets entangled with this older white married man and then gets totally entangled with their family. Entanglement. Is that a Jada reference right there? Or no, just your, your maybe, choice of words? You know what? It probably <laughs> an was an entanglement. entanglement. Uh-huh. 100% an entanglement. But it was, um, that one was like, it was like sexual and, and like, 
disturbing because then she almost gets like objectified by this family. It's haunting. It's a haunting book. Okay. I think people should read it. It's called Luster. And then right now I'm reading Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. Mm, I heard it's so good. Is it so good? It's very good. Are I, you actually reading, no, quote unquote, girl, reading this I'm one? I'm putting it in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm listening to um, this one, but I like it because Elizabeth is one of the narrators and Ooh. there's two narrators because it's actually parallel stories. This is the premise, which I didn't know was the premise until like, so I kind of like when you don't read about a book and then you read it and you're like, oh, I didn't know this was about this. But it's the premise is these two sisters in, uh, and one in New York, one in the DR and they're connected. I think they're sisters actually at this point. I don't know if they're sisters, but I think they are. And their dad dies in a plane crash. And so that's the premise wow. of that. Okay. So anyways, excellent book. So these are the books that I've been reading. Mm. I heard, uh, well, I love when um, the actual writer is one of the narrators of the book. I uh, I listened to uh, Becoming oh, by Michelle Obama uh-huh. and she, you know, she narrates it and it was so much more powerful to I hear bet. her voice. Uh, yeah. If y'all have not read that, definitely recommend that one. That one's as cool. an audio book. I read that one like an actual yeah, book. Yeah, she read it. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to that one is super powerful. Yes. Great books. We love books. Okay. So how about you? How are you getting your calma? Many ways, but one recently went to Sedona, Arizona. I had never been there before, That's Brenda. Magical. I did not know. I just didn't think that there were so many beautiful spots in Arizona, which is obviously like super, like, obviously I should know that. It's like, there's, you know, it's a beautiful desert, but all, you know, I'm like, it's fucking hot over there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> right. But now my brother lives there. So I went over there and it's like, oh shit. Like there's like Powell. I, which, is that in Utah or Arizona? Not I think yeah. it's like, I think it's more like, anyways, <laughs> I've heard that's beautiful, but Sedona was so magical. And I just remembered like, I need to be like doing more hikes. I'm an earth sign. Like it keeps, it makes me really, it keeps me really grounded and I have not been hiking. And Sedona was so, you get there and you're like, oh my God, like have I just been transported into like this different reality that like feels like not 2020 because that's what it felt like as I was hiking and like seeing sunsets from these beautiful places and sunrises y toda la cosa. It's like a postcard anywhere you look. Yes, fucking beautiful. Yeah, and it was the first family vacation and you know, we we kept it, We every time we ate, we ate outside and like, you know, we tried to do it as safe as possible but you know, it was beautiful. I had like my my brother and the baby and my mom and so, so beautiful. Yeah. I loved all your pictures. Thank you. Um, and then the other thing is I actually started seeing a therapist and you know, it's it's something at Tamarindo we really encourage that. Go for it. Give yes, us I'm going to give him a track of Give him a therapist. And it's something, you know, I had been wanting to do for a long time and I just had not done it. And I finally, like, I think being in a, in a new relationship and, and seeing things in myself that I'm like, oh, I don't want to do these repeat things that I know I've done in previous relationships. I felt like more like motivated to, to really work on myself in new ways in which I hadn't. And so that's, so I was like, okay, let's, let me, let me get myself a therapist finally. Like, so that's been so wonderful for me. And it's, I think, I honestly think every single person could go to therapy, like tu abuelo, tu primo, everybody should go to, to a therapist because everyone can benefit and obviously like accessibility is a, is a problem here but like if you can't afford it and if there are ways to make it more affordable I recommend it because I think it's just helped me see things that I you know or name things that I hadn't been able to name it's like I could kind of observe these patterns but like now I can actually be like oh shit this is why you're doing this and, we're, and the therapy is going to help me kind of keep uncovering like what's behind that and how can I keep healing that and for me it's been really cool because the, the therapist that I'm seeing she is um also an immigrant mm-hmm. she's afro-latina and she's queer and i think it's so important when you can find a therapist that can really connect with all those identities that you know yeah that are so unique and that's awesome i'm so first of all so excited another another matraca for therapy 
Because, yeah, I think it's great. It's good to practice what we, we talk about, it, right? And right. so it's great to actually be able to do it. I've, th- I've been thinking about it. Maybe this is a good motivator for me to actually follow through and find someone. So that's awesome. I'm so, so glad. And I'm so glad that you found someone that can identify with you because yeah. that's so difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, like everything else, it's probably a lot of white men. So um, I think that's fantastic. I love that. Well, this episode... We're very excited because uh, we are going to bring someone back that we've had before. We are going to talk to Stacy de Armas, who is vice president at Nielsen, a global measurement and data analytic company that provides the most complete and trusted view available of consumers and markets worldwide. And she's going to discuss the their 2020 election hub. So this hub is where you can find the most up-to-date information and data on the this year's biggest election events. So like Nielsen, we kind of agree with this. We totally agree with this. We, we want to highlight the importance of voting and the importance of educating yourself prior to voting. So please visit the 2020 election hub today to get accurate information. We'll put that in our show notes. We're very excited to have her. Um, have you voted? Are you about to vote? Getting I'm about started? to vote. Yeah, I haven't been in back in LA. So I think I know my ballot is waiting for me back at home. So I know you've already been on it. I know. And I think the recommendation is for everyone to vote as soon as possible early if you can so y'all get out there yeah and just and a reminder for folks that are listening to this is that don't feel bad that you haven't voted Anna Shayla because yes, it's totally you. safe yes. to vote by mail so yes. uh, you can still vote by mail luckily we're here in California we, 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 you can even register to vote up until like the day of the election here in California make sure you read up listeners on you know you might still have time depending on where you are in the country right. to vote and if even if you've already voted see if you can check like for example what I did is I actually went to my mom's house and I helped like I helped her fill out the props because especially here in California those props are complicated there's things that we don't really we really shouldn't be deciding on like experts should be the ones deciding on but it's our job so here we are voting so let's try to educate ourselves the most we can because we are voting and making these decisions yeah you know there's a a tip for all of you that still haven't um, voted yet it's like think about like there's probably voter guides if there's a progressive organization that you like look them up they probably have voter guides so that's very helpful yes and you could also watch our live that Brenda did with Hood Digest. Hood Digest, yes. Uh, so for pe- those are for people in California, right? Right. So for, for people in for California, lo- if you want to check out the props, you could. We did a live about it. But find voter guides in your community. Yes, there's so many. Yeah, Thank, thankful to all the people that are putting these together because I know it takes a lot of work to, to be does. doing that research for us. So you thank you so much. Matraca. Matraca for that. <laughs> and, and and I like that you you called out that it is safe to vote by mail because we know that the Trump administration has been saying otherwise. And that's one of the things that I like about Nielsen and Cici Armas is like we know we can count on the data that they're sharing and that they're that that they're combating misinformation. Yeah, yeah. So if you want the facts, go to experts on data, and that is Nielsen. Yes. So um, what are, what are some things? that we found interesting in the data that Nielsen shared with us? I think one thing that was really positive to, to see is, well, one of the, and it, maybe not, not everyone knows this, but we are the largest minority uh, voting block. 32 million Latinos are eligible uh, to vote. Um, wow, what else, I think what was interesting for me is just seeing, um, or, or hopeful is seeing the, the increase in Latinos um, in swing, Latino registration in, in swing states, yes. because I know we can really make it, and obviously we're not a monolith, there are Latino Republicans, Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's good to see more representation in those swing states and, and, and know that we can, you know, make make a real uh, an impact in, the, in those swing states, like Arizona, like Nevada. Um, also great to see so many more young voters starting to vote, that was uh, the largest increase in, in 
demo was was it among yeah. young voters. So love to see that like the the focus around growing uh, young younger voter representation um, has yes. you know made an impact. The things that Latinos care about, like I think, which you'll hear from Stacy, um, yeah. uh, um, echoing this, but. Um, people like to think that Latinos only care about immigration or that's the only issue that matters. And the truth is, Latinos have been here for generations. Not all of all Latinos are directly impacted by, by immigration. In fact, majority of us are not. Um, and so the issues that we care about are the economy and healthcare, just like yeah. most everybody else. Yeah, and highlighting healthcare, especially in COVID, when unfortunately a lot of Latinos, Latinx people are frontline workers and a lot of them are uninsured, a lot of them are uninsured and, all, and being being disproportionately affected by COVID, right? Yep, yep, yep. So we super appreciate Nielsen because what they give us is uh, unbiased factual data. So uh, you all got to check out the, the hub, which again, I said, we're going to link it in our show notes. So the information that we got from Nielsen is super awesome. So we're going to talk to Stacy in just a second, but first we're going to take a quick break. When was the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new smart electronic toothbrush, good habits can earn great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine, such as floss that expands to clean and comes in refillable dispensers to reduce waste and eco-friendly solar battery charger to power your Quip with sunshine. Anna Shayla and I both love our Quip smart electronic toothbrushes, and we are already winning with Quip by having clean and healthy teeth, but earning free products is a bonus. Smart electronic toothbrushes for adults and kids have all the guiding features of the Quip original brush, but now with a new Bluetooth smart motor that connects to the free Quip app so you can track your brushing, get tips and daily coaching and earn rewards for good habits like brushing two minutes twice a day. Join over 5 million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get a Quip smart brush for just $45. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash tamarindo right now and get your first refill free. That's first refill free at getquip.com slash tamarindo. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Tamarindo. Quip. Better oral health made simple and rewarding. Stacy, it's so exciting to have you back on Tamarindo. Manishela is going to kick us off here. Stacy, tell us briefly about the power of the Latino vote. Sure. Well, for the first time in uh, in our country's history, Latinos will make up the largest non-white voting bloc, numbering 32 million. And that ends up being about 13 and a third percent of the electorate. So just with, on that alone, it's a tremendous opportunity for our community to stand forward, stand up and represent you know, our interests and what matters to us. That's great. And, you know, uh, we, we know that Nielsen put out this great report and there is something interesting about what Latinos care about. It's not what most people presume that Latinos care about. What are the issues that matter the most to Latinos? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I think you're right, because I, as times have changed, I think people naturally think the thing that's most important to Latinos is immigration, right? That's our, our top, our top issue. And I will say it, it is incredibly important to us as we've seen border separations and more you know, this is an issue that's incredibly important really to all people, right? When you watch the state of things, uh, all people, but for the Latino community specifically, our top issues right now are the economy, coronavirus, 
healthcare and racial inequality. And these make a lot of sense, in particular, if you take a look at the state of the community today in the U.S., uh, and by the state of the community, I mean, you know, just the fact how uh, coronavirus has disproportionately impacted Latinos and, and with job losses and disproportionate health care outcomes. It makes sense that things like these are all almost inextricably connected, right? The economy, coronavirus and health care uh, all are together what have levied the, you know, the heaviest impacts on the Latino community. So it makes sense that those and they're also connected in that, uh, you know, your access to health care is tied to the type of job that you have and the type of education that you have. And of course, depending on you know how you were impacted by coronavirus, you may or may not be in the type of job that offers you access to healthcare and insurance. So it makes sense that these are really at the top uh, for our community of you know points of concern. Right. And, and then specifically now talking about Latinas, is there anything that's really that stuck out as really exciting to you right now in particular? We've always known that Latinas are at the forefront as influencers in their community. Those components are among the most important because they illustrate what really is sort of the collectivist culture and these these cultural predispositions that we have to share and inform within our circles of trust. Voting is no different. So really, uh, as a bellwether for the community and ensuring that our communities register, that we vote and that we represent and that we're informed on the issues that matter. I want to add, I think it's really important that Latina Equal Pay Day is coming, right? It's almost upon us. It's October 29th. And, you know, it is, we know that it's a day that our our community of Latinas make the, the same amount that a white man made the year prior. But, you know, while that, of course, is nothing to celebrate. Uh, and by the way, that date moves a little bit each year. So that tells us there's, tells us that there's either progress made um, or, or lost. But it's important to understand really the power that this community in particular has. Of the 29 million Latinas in the U.S., 65% are under 40. So we're a really young population, which also helps us understand the influence we have on our communities when it comes to voting and registering. And Speaking of voting, 35% of registered Latinas turned out to vote in the last presidential election compared to just 30% of Latinos. So really also, we talked about issues earlier in the front, you know, standing in the front of the lines to make sure that we're voting and we're representing and our voices are heard. And that's so important as we influence our communities. Thanks for highlighting Latina Equal Pay Day. That's true. It is coming up and, and it is nothing to cheer about that it takes us so long to meet what, uh, what a white man earns. But I uh, also want to call out that of all the equal pay days, Latinas are last. So while yeah, we, you oh know, goodness. yeah, so that's, a, you know, that's something else to, to it's mention. It's so true. It's so true. And I, I was actually looking at that data myself and I was, was curious why that, why that was uh, significantly actually far behind other women. I think the most important thing to understand is that while some of these numbers, you know, in particular paint a really gloomy uh, picture, Latinas are still more than any other group enrolling in college immediately after high school graduation. 74% of Latinas, the latest data from uh, Department of Education, enroll in college immediately after high school graduation. However, one thing we don't always talk about is what that educational journey looks like, right? 
Oftentimes it's a two-year college. Oftentimes it is a longer educational journey because we don't have the resources in place potentially, or there are other barriers, right? Latinas are continuing to work while they're going to school, not able potentially to take a full load. And so that journey is longer, which means that over time, that acquisition of education takes a little bit longer and thus the acquisition of wealth. So it's really important when we think about early programs that help educate Latinas and Latino families, not just on, on uh, you know, how to access resources, but how to navigate the educational system in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so great. Uh, thank you for explaining kind of the, the nuance of that. It'll be really interesting to see how this data continues to change in, in the years to come because of a lot of the work that a lot of organizations are doing. Well, Stacey, can you tell us about the Nielsen 2020 election hub? Like what, what can folks get out of this um, super informative hub? The election, of course, is upon us. I mean, it's right upon us. And I think what's, there's a few things that I can talk about with the election hub. Uh, essentially, the Nielsen Election Hub is the home and front and center for any data that you would want to know about Latinos, African American, Asian Americans, or uh, the general market who are voters and how they consume content on television and also how they lean on different political issues. So, what we've tried to do is layer voting habits over audiences to better understand where these audiences can be reached for messaging. We think this is really important, not only for uh, policymakers, but for advocacy groups that are wanting to reach out to our community and encourage, uh, you know, the get out the vote. One thing people always say is that Latinos don't vote. And I find that incredibly frustrating because when we are registered, we do vote. Three important metrics to look at when you're thinking about Latinos and voters. One is the eligible population of Latino voters. This year, by the way, it's 32 million. Uh, The second important uh, number to know is of the eligible voters, how many are registered? And then, of course, the third important thing to take note of is of those that are registered, how many voted? What we often hear is that voted number against the eligible number. And it's true, there is a big disparity between people that have voted and people that are eligible. But the reason that is, is that middle number I talked about, which is registration. This is the biggest opportunity our community has, because when we are registered, we vote at the same percentage nearly as any other group between it's about between six and 11 percent difference between voted and registered so the challenge then is upping that registration number once we are registered more people will vote those numbers move in lockstep and that's the greatest opportunity we have it's not that latinos don't vote again we do vote when we're registered the challenge is registration and again it's not to say that latinos don't register There are a lot of barriers in place for registration, either, you know, by design or by accident. Uh, But there are a lot of barriers in place to registration for Latinos, certainly in other states. California, um, there's more opportunity to register and vote. However, in other states, there are a lot of barriers in place. So I think that the opportunity is, of course, these organizations that are working so hard in the community to ensure Latinos are registered and we bring all of our power to the polls on November 3rd. Is there anything else, uh, you know, that's, that stuck out from the report, any insights that either surprised you or that you thought were just a particular note that you wanted to share with the, our audience? Yeah, so there's two places people can go to get more information. One is Nielsen Election Hub. You can just Google that. It'll take you right to it. The other is the report which you're talking about, which is our recent Latino report. I think perhaps the most interesting thing we found out about the report wasn't the hard data necessarily behind media consumption, but it was the social and cultural anthropological insights on how Latinos 
um, navigate, how have they navigated the uh, COVID-19? So that is to say that in the absence of all of physical contact, right? When we had these uh, stay-at-home orders and quarantines and lockdowns or whatever they were called, this created a lot of pressure for our community who very much operate in these circles of trust where we share information and resources. I talked earlier about um, you know, resources about education. How do we educate our kids? How do we navigate the U.S. education system? This information is really held in these tight circles within our community. And so as these pressures of social distancing weigh down on our community, what is the most fascinating finding is that we we moved all of this activity that largely existed in a, a digital physical space completely online you know, one might say, well, didn't every community do that, right? Didn't everybody move all of their digital, all of their activity digitally because we had to, we were, you know, had stay at home orders. But the truth is we saw this amplified so significantly on the uh, Latino side that it, we, it begged the question, why is this? You know, why would one community show uh, multiple, I mean, I'm talking 30, 40, 50% increases in content consumption, in dialoguing online, in uh, using communication apps, things that you would anticipate everybody would do. Why did we see it so amplified in this space? And the answer isn't an answer that's, you know, straight in, in data. The answer is in social science, which is that we are a collectivist culture. And that means we are, um, you know, in it together and for each other. And as a community, we build and grow one another. And it's easy to say that, but when it's illustrated in data, it's a really fascinating way uh, to come to this realization or this understanding of why we are predisposed to share dialogue and support one another. Thank you so much, Stacy, for distilling all that important information for us and for our listeners, because I think you, you always um, are really intelligent, of course, but you also add a lot of optimism and it's data backed optimism. So we love that. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us, Stacy. Gracias. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh my gosh. So great to hear from Stacy. I just love it. It's good to have, you know, data. I love data. So I, I appreciate data. having Stacy. We've had her on before. So hopefully, hopefully y'all learned something, appreciated the unbiased information. Yes. <laughs> data nerds right here. Yes. Okay. So we have to do our basura here. So we always like to take out la basura aquí, yes. aquí at Tamarindo. Before it gets too full. Because, you know, because you know, it starts to smell. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, do you have a basura yet? I do, and it's hella random, pero I want to put the happy birthday song in oh la basura. My God. And this is specifically one type of happy birthday song. It's the happy birthday to you. It's that because I think it's sad, a sad, it's it's like a downer. Like people do not, it, I, don't, I don't feel joyful when I hear Anna that song. Sheila hates birthdays. Just kidding. No, 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 she no, 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 I hate that song. And so no, y'all, if you ever, if I ever have a birthday party again, like, and you come, do not start to sing that song. I prefer, I like the happy birthday to you. So you can sing that happy birthday Our song. birthday's in December, or, y'all. Or, yes, or you can sing las mañanitas pero like if you're at my birthday do not start singing happy birthday and I and I never want to hear it again so I'm just letting everybody know that's it yes, like basura I, to that song so funny that you mentioned that because whenever I go to birthdays I, when we're about to do that song I said everybody faster than you think it yes, goes please, happy birthday please. To oh you. my god happy even that would be better you. but like no like people are always like oh, it's always so sad I'm like no you Anyways. gotta speed it up oh my god do you do that 
agree that with yes. you. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. So, so yes, I will make sure that we 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 give give it a good tempo or we go to las mañanitas. Yes. A ver, ¿y tú? Okay, so my basura very quick. Um We love podcasts and one of the podcasts that we love a lot, it's called Code Switch. Y'all should listen to it. We love it. We love it. It's great. They did an episode recently where they dove deep on Kamala Harris because their followers said, we want you to go deep on Kamala Harris. And it was fascinating. And um, I, I don't think I learned too much because I, I had done a little bit of this research. But basically, you know, Kamala Harris gets a lot of critique because she, oh, people people reduced to, oh, she's a cop. And like don't give the nuance and the thought that is necessary. And um, they also kind of underscore other things that I have found, which basically says, if you want to be an ambitious, successful black woman in politics, you're going to have to do things like be a prosecutor. You're going to have to do things that, you know, anyways, that's basically the thesis of this podcast. And what I just want to say And what I want to put in la basura is just the fact that we want to dissect Kamala Harris. So if you think about Hillary Clinton, nobody re fucking remembers who she picked for VP. It was some guy named Kane. But nobody cared. Nobody did a think piece. People did not dissect yeah, him. People didn't do an episode to dissect her history, his history. And that's just my point. if they point. did, no one read that shit. Nobody read that shit. So I, my point is this. It's like no escaping it. What goes in la basura is the double whammy of sexism and racism which happens to all women of color <laughs> that give us a hint of ambition yes so that's what goes in la basura so um, to end this episode i just want to um, tell folks that if you are undecided by now that's tu pedo tu pedo es tu pedo si tu no votas es tu pedo yes <laughs> And as the sweatshirt I wore recently said, I'm not wearing it right now, but I'm acting like I am. <laughs> Yo quiero perrear y votar a Trump. And votar is with a B-O-T-A-R, which means dump Trump. Yes, exactly. Not to be confused with votar. We're going to yes. votar yes. Trump out. Yes. Yes, right, yes, yes. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, share this episode with a friend. Remember that we are part of Loose Collective, which is a media company by Latinas and for Latinas. Go to loosecollective.com and read their fascinating articles. Please support them. We need yes. all the support. We can get support Latinx creators, writers, toda entrepreneurs, la toda la cosa. Yes. So um, until next time, ponte un suéter. Y cálmate, te calmo. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Ana Sheila Victorino and Brenda Gonzalez. Jeff DeVoe provides original music and sound engineering, and Michelle Andrade provides editing and production support. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and at Twitter at Tamarindo Cast. And if you like the show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene 
preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099